You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from SprottMoney.com. This is your Sprott Money News Weekly Wrap-Up for Friday, December 2nd. 2016. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual this morning is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hi, Craig. Good morning. Uh, happy to chat. Uh, hopefully, when you're in the bottom here, uh, let's have at it. It has been another interesting week, as it has been an interesting month. We might as well start with the breaking news this morning of a U.S. jobs report that was almost exactly what was expected by the consensus of analysts. A uh, unemployment rate fell a little bit, but earnings actually fell as well. Altogether, it looks like uh, it is now a fait accompli. There's going to be a rate hike in a couple of weeks. What do you make of all of this? Well, you know, I go back to probably the most important uh, data point that I saw this week about people and jobs and so on. And it was from the CEO of Dollar General, who mostly deals with uh, lower income people who are renters. And he says, you know, we have interviews with them every quarter and, and they are just not getting by between the healthcare premiums and the rent increases. Uh, they're just, uh, their buying power goes down all the time. Dollar General even had to institute price cuts to try to uh, keep them buying. And that's a big, big part of the population. It's a theme I've used for a long time. You know, the three most important things in the States are healthcare, healthcare, and healthcare because these costs are, are monumental. And of course, the lower your income, the your healthcare costs don't go down. Right. right. <laughs> High income people can afford the, the cost, but the middle income and lower income can't. So I, I have no sense of hope uh, for the uh, U.S. economy writing itself here unless somebody does something about the various embedded costs in the system. Yeah, it is. It is a very big problem here, and that is a vast majority of the people, no doubt about it. it. Might be a fun thing to talk about one day about the root causes of it. I suspect it's central banking, but uh, I would probably think we probably ought to move on to the next. We'll save that for another day, I guess, Eric. Uh, okay. Major moves uh, in the last month in bond prices and interest rates over the last uh, month, but really since the end of September, and you could even go back to last summer. Uh, in just the last month, global bond portfolio losses now uh, exceeding $2 trillion, approaching $3 trillion if you go back to last summer. We've got news about pensions funds in the U.S., uh, like in Dallas, Texas, that are now looking to be insolvent. What do you make of all this, Eric? Is this a looming crisis? Well, there's no doubt any time that interest rates go up, you got a big, big problem. Uh, because mortgage rates go up, because subprime auto costs go up. And, you know, when somebody's mortgage goes from 3% to 4%, the cost of carry went up by 33% roughly, which means you can afford 33% less home. Uh, so these things will, will hit hard if they stay where they are. Uh, I know some of the, the bond gurus out there are suggesting you might hit, hit peak rates here in this little cycle. It's entirely possible. I would guess that that might be the case if it's just based on economic data, because I think the economic data will just continue to sour here, particularly with rates where they are. Uh, if it's based on, you know, the flow of money, because various countries in the world need money and they got to sell the treasuries, then of course it won't come off as, the rates won't come off as quickly as one might have expected. But, I mean, it's cutting hard. Um, we, have, we haven't even seen the economic impact. We'll see the economic impact when we see a couple of months of... Uh, New home sales and even car sales. Now we saw uh, car sales for um, in November yesterday. I haven't. I know uh, one company. I think it was way down, and Ford and GM were up. Uh, 
I haven't seen the total composite number, uh, but you know they've obviously peaked out quite a while ago, uh, a number of months ago, uh, and of course you read stories about you know the repossessions and the, the delinquencies on subprime and auto loans, and they just they keep going up here because everyone's costs are rising and the incomes really aren't. You pointed out, and I have not seen this data, but income was down. I mean, we can't stand income being down. I mean, that's that's the worst thing that could ever happen. So. Um, it, it's hard to to know which cause will have the greater impact, the slowing economy or the, the sort of drive for liquidity in the bond market. And it could be the drive for liquidity overwhelms uh, the fundamentals of the bond market. And, you know, you mentioned the cost of carry. You know, I saw supposedly smart people, uh, for instance, Stanley Druckenmiller said this week that he thinks a 10-year treasury in the States is going back to 6%. Well, what about the cost of carry to the U.S. government in that regard? I mean, it seems like nobody seems to factor that in. Wouldn't that cause exploding deficits, exploding debt, and and even more QE rather than higher rates? Yeah, it's like I'm sort of smirking at no one factored that in. <laughs> of course, I'm thinking about the whole entitlement program that nobody factored that in. Yeah. <laughs> of course, why would anybody factor in the fact that you know you basically go broke if yields went to six percent, which is what would happen, right? Right. You're. you're uh, if you have to pay an extra three points on uh, $20 billion of debt, that's $600 billion. Uh, that doubles your reported deficit right there. Mm-hmm. Not that the unreported deficit already isn't triple what your reported deficit is, i.e. the amount of bonds that you had to issue last year was triple what your deficit was, which is also hard to explain. Uh, but, you know, the market's in a mood to ignore most logical things. I mean, it's just, it's almost like there's uh, some dark hand determining where where things are going to be in the stock market. I'm more referring to the stock market than anything else. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter how bad the data is, whether Caterpillar sales have gone down 48 months in a row, or, you know, the, the, the home sales are tipping out, or car sales are tipping over, or this guy's earnings are bad, or that guy's earnings are bad. It's almost a function of, well, where, who is the liquidity provider here, and who's the guy stepping in to buy the... ETFs and S&P futures and things like that. That's kind of what's... And or the VIX. I mean, just go in and buy the VIX, the whole market goes up. Or sell the VIX, the whole market goes up. That's kind of crazy. So, anyway, yeah, we're all ignoring the obvious, but um, obviously, we won't ignore it for the long run. It's like uh, the idea is almost international helicopter money, in that the the U.S. is just going to spend and spend, and it's going to be funded by the QE programs of the Bank of Japan and the ECB. And England, yeah, yeah, and and you know the uh, the Fed is still buying bonds, right? Because they spend the interest that they earn on their mm-hmm. existing portfolio to buy bonds. So it's not as though they're not a net buyer of bonds; they are a net buyer of bonds. It's just that they don't have a specific extra QE program. But who knows? A couple more data points that are kind of soft here, or a market that weakens off, stock market that weakens off. Uh, there might be a buying a bond buying program, or a bond yields that keep going up, and there might be a bond buying program. So. You know, we'll have to stand by, but uh, most things are pretty chaotic in most markets, whether it doesn't matter whether it's foreign exchange, which might be more chaotic than any market. But we've got these situations going on around the world of the geopolitical events. And, of course, the Trump thing was a geopolitical event uh, for us. And we got to enjoy our three hours in the sun there when the price of gold went to 13.50, and then it was over, <laughs> uh, which is kind of anomalous. But anyway, and someday... Someday it'll all be explained to us, but uh, it's difficult for a logical person to explain the stock market rally and the gold decline. So 
I don't even think I want to go there. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I've got two other topics I want to ask you about. You know, there's this very interesting action going on overseas, specifically in China. We've got the situation in India. Yeah, you know, the spread that is seen now between Shanghai and London in silver is now into the yeah. teens, 12, 13 percent. Uh, the technical setup for the metals looks pretty good. What do you make of all this at this point, Eric? Well, I think the interesting thing is that the people in those countries want to own gold and silver. And, of course, the governments at certain times, particularly the Indian government, try to prevent it. And, of course, the whole uh, cash thing where they outlawed those supposedly high-value notes, um, that, that's very difficult to understand even today. I don't get it. I don't, I don't know what they're accomplishing, but... I can tell you what they're not accomplishing, and that is any kind of economic recovery because it's just chaotic for most people. And of course, the China, you know, there's some rumblings of the Chinese limiting imports. Um, but it, when you look behind it, it means that people in China want to own gold. And for the most part, when people in Asia want to own gold, they find ways to own it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing for us to just to know that the underlying demand is there. And uh, I, for one, I sit here and think about, well, you know, what would happen if in the abandoned ports of gold, I'm thinking, man, that silver price would go absolutely crazy. But I don't know that you can ban imports of silver. Well, maybe it can if it's for jewelry purposes, but, you know, it takes this, the amount of money that Indians spend on gold is twice the size of the whole annual silver market in the world. Yeah. So you imagine there's some spillover from people buying gold to buying silver in India, and it would just be chaotic in the silver market. And one of my dreams is that one of the metals, exhibits shortage characteristics on the conic. I don't care whether it's palladium, platinum, or silver, or gold for that matter. One of them. And just end this whole carnage of the paper guys being able to do what they want because they have unlimited amounts of wealth to dump at things and force a price to where everyone kind of pukes up their position, which is exactly what they did in the last uh, few months here. So... uh, it's a very interesting and evolving situation over in Asia. Um, I think, you know, an import ban, I can just imagine, maybe even people in China say, well, I can't buy gold, I'll go buy silver. Well, oh, my God. We got 3 billion people over there, both in China and India, that might all want to start buying silver. Well, believe me, you know, what do we produce a billion ounces a year? So they can each buy one-third of an ounce of silver per year. Mm-hmm. That's not much. Mm-hmm. That could be... That could be dramatic if that happens. So yep. we'll stand by on that one. Yeah, that'll be definitely be a trend to watch in 2017, no doubt about that. Or, or if it happens sooner. I mean, if, if Modi wants to come out and ban imports of gold on the weekend, I'll be very interested to see what happens to the price of silver on Monday. Yeah, excellent That would point. be interesting. So. Uh, well, lastly, about events this weekend, something that is, to a great extent, flying under the radar <laughs> is this referendum vote in Italy. While it may not have an immediate impact on, uh, I guess we'll call it an it'll exit, for lack of a better term, right. um, I think people could begin to connect the dots if uh, Renzi were to lose this referendum. You've been all over the Italian banks and the systemic risk that it poses to the whole global banking system. Are you watching this Italy vote on Sunday? And sure. if, if it uh, goes against the, the government, what would it mean for prices and for currencies and everything else as we go into next week? Sure. Well, I'm amazed as I sit here and see gold going down all the time that, that, that Europeans wouldn't be buying gold here. 
because it seems reasonable to assume that they will lose that vote and that the euro might come under a, a fair deal of pressure because of it, because it might portend the breakup of the, uh, the EU. Um, so that's just another arrow in the quiver of countries that should be worried about their currencies. Uh, I mean, I'm just shocked when I look at what goes on in Venezuela. The currency falls 15% a day now. Yep. I mean, don't ever try, try to uh, take that over, out over 365 days because you get an awful big depreciation. And that Turkey's currency, I mean, its own currency is going down, uh, whether it's the, the rupee or the Chinese yuan. Uh, there's so many weak currencies, you'd think there'd be more and more buyers uh, coming into the gold market and silver market to protect themselves. So I think it's, it's of course, going to be an, an important event. And yes, it's gone off the radar screen. I think it's gone off the radar screen because the screen we get to watch is determined here in North America by the powers that be. And if they want gold to go down, they'll just populate the mainstream media with negative stories. I think the bottom line of what's happening in the last few months, we have this huge outstanding position in December. There's no way that the commercials could have supplied the gold. So the only way to make sure that there's no great demand for gold is to knock the price below where the, the owner was going to buy it. So then mm -hmm. he chooses not to buy it. Mm -hmm. And even as it was, I think we got 39 tons nominated for, which is above last year's number. But you can imagine what the tonnage might have been. Had, let's say the Trump rally had a have continued and we're at $1,500 or what would the nominations for the December contract have been? Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have been staggering. I mean, they just would not have been able to provide it. So I think the whole charade we've had to go through is, is the commercials knocking down uh, the prices so the December contracts wouldn't get exercised. And the contracts, of course, expired now. And I think between the technical setup and the, the uh, commitment of traders setup that uh, we should see a turnaround here. And of course, all the the events going on in the world that you refer to, all of which are gold pending. So hopefully we can start something this week. Yeah, get the get the ship turned and kind of restart the process, uh, unfortunately, kind of like where we were last December and into last January. At the same and at at the same time, last December and January, we had a Fed rate hike at the December meeting, and that's what's going to be pending yeah. next. I look forward to right. talking to you next Friday in anticipation and ahead of that event. But in the meantime, I think I'll give you the rest of the week off. Okay, thanks, Greg. You have a good one, too. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Lots going on. There certainly is. We look forward to speaking to you next Friday from all of us at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.